More Than You Know is a podcast about the real parts of our lives that people seldom talk about. I'm Andy Moore, personal development mentor, lifelong learner, lover of people, and all that life has to offer. I believe that we all have a story worth telling, and by sharing these stories, we can all connect on a deeper level. All right. I think we're live. We're live. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. So you guys, this is Nancy Willis. Hello. (laughs) I am so excited for you guys to meet her, hear her heart. You will see why when we meet for breakfast, it turns into lunch. Hours. (laughs) And snacks and dinner. So I hope you love her as much as I do and that this really just connects for you. Um, So you know what to expect. This is just going to be a conversation. So buckle up. Who knows what's about to happen? (laughs) Yeah, who does know? Because we've already been chatting for two hours today. (laughs) Like, what else is there more to to share? But um, that is, that's us. That's you and me in a nutshell. (laughs) So Nancy, (laughs) tell us about you. Uh, Well, uh, my name is Nancy Willis. I'm 40 years old. I work part-time for a nonprofit organization. I am also a licensed school counselor. I have a seven-year-old son, and I um, have been married for 10 years, but in relationship with him for over 20. Oh, my gosh. Half my life. That's crazy. Yes, I know. That's freaking nuts. (laughs) So that's in a one sentence that I guess is some of the things about me. Yeah. That would be worth noting. I feel like we should chat about how we met. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll tell my version. Okay. And then you tell your version. Okay. Okay. So my version is I was taking our son to a two-year-old. Were they two? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this was five years ago. Right around this time. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> was taking my son to meet the teacher in this two-year-old classroom. And I see you in the corner. And you were so cute that day. Stupid. I remember you had a flannel shirt on. I think you had the Truman, like, or the True Brand Ohio shirt on. And I was, like, just drawn to you. <laughs> I was like, who is this woman? You had this beautiful smile. Right away, when I first said, you know, hi, I'm Nancy, and you said, hey, I'm Andy, I was like, that's it. We're friends. We're, in, we're friends. Right. <laughs> um, I need your energy in my life. I knew that right away, uh, your laugh and smile. And then uh, and then our sons met, and, and it was instant, too, that they are very similar in some ways. <laughs> and uh, that, so yes, that, that is how I recall the first Love meeting. It. I agree. I totally agree. (laughs) So on my end, I walk in, I know no one. Right. And then here's this creepy creepster woman coming up. (laughs) But I, like, game recognizes game. That's how I make friends. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm like, hey, look, you. You and I are going to be friends, whether you want it or not. And we kind of did it to each other. I would say, yeah, for sure. And then we just started getting coffee and you know, um, we had only two and a half hours to kill, like, which was not enough time to do anything. 
Uh, and so we just started killing it together. Right? Yes. Sitting in the car. Sitting in the car. Going to Starbucks. That's right. All of the fun. But it's yeah. funny. Our sons, yeah. especially at that point, like very much, um, they're old souls. They are. We have gr- birthed some- old men. <laughs> Yes, like little curmudgeons. And they just had very realistic, we'll put that in quotation marks, outlooks on the world. They didn't need a lot of words between each other. No, still. Yeah. Okay. So you have your son. You have a husband. Yes. You have a job. Yeah. You are gorgeous. You (laughs) You have... Fun adventures. It looks like a pretty close-knit family. Yes. And if you look at her Instagram, it's just like a dream, right? It does look like a dream. It looks like a dream. That's the beauty of Instagram. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's, you know, have, have you ever mm-hmm. had someone look at you and be like, oh, it must be nice? Yes. Yes. Um more than once. I mean, I think that that is a common experience, you know, for all of us is that we look at people, uh, whether it's on social media or whether it's what we know of them just by watching them move in the world. And, and I think we can make assumptions, you know, about people and, um, when it, um, it must be nice. I would say, I, I think I have heard people say, you know, oh, it must be nice to to work part-time it must be nice to only have one child you know it must be nice to be able to travel you know we do a fair amount of traveling um and i think that those things are all nice you know the one about oh it must be nice to only have one kid you that that is a um a tricky one because what we had hoped for and i think that still that is something that I wrestle with, you know, growing up, one of the, the aspirations, you know, that I had was to be in a wife and a mom. And and I think that part of that was also just really built into the messages that I got growing up, right. That like the thing to work towards was to be a wife and a mom or an educator. You know, I come from a long line of educators which is a very noble profession. It just was not for me. Um, and so I think then when I got married, even though what I was quote unquote expectation is, yeah. and my husband and I had been dating for 10 years about. So um, everyone was really ready for us just to do that. So we did. And then, um, you know, we were ready to try to start our own family. And that just really did not go at all the way that we ever thought that it that it would um obviously fast forward I and mean, we already shared that we have have a child have a seven-year-old but um you know there was a lot of um heartache you know wrapped up in in grief from going through you know the infertility process that's a very lonely isolating um place you know None of my friends had dealt with uh, infertility to this day. You know, I have one other close friend that's gone through it, but that's still, you know, it. Um, Dichotomies of life is like, I'm so convinced that like, I was meant for one child. Yes. (laughs) 
Like I absolutely was, even though like growing, you know, growing up, I always thought I wanted this, you know, multiple, multiple children. And now that I have one and I know that actually, I mean, I jokingly say like, oh, the good Lord knew what he was doing. And I've really come to believe that like in every fabric of my being that, um, that my family was, is created and designed in the way that it was meant to be. But also, mm-hmm. um, there has been some heartache with that. And the desire to have another child has certainly been there. And we did try and, um, you know, tried. And, and when you go through, you know, the IVF process, which is what we ultimately had to do, it's really hard. Um, it's also it's also very expensive. Uh, and it takes a physical toll and emotional toll. And so ultimately that was something that I, we made the decision, you know, that not to do again. Um, and to just, I I think I carried that around with me for some years Mm -hmm. and then, um, let it go and chose to be, um, just incredibly grateful for the child that I, that I do have. Yeah. So I think my little curmudgeon. (laughs) I do just the greatest curmudgeon. Literally the best. (laughs) I think I agree with you though. Like that's not necessarily from, I didn't experience infertility per se. And Brandon was like, I don't think that we should have any more, not because of Bane, but just from Brandon's capacity of like, I can't even participate with the one. Yeah. And I'm struggling with yes. this one. Yes. And I'm doing it, me, Andy. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it all by myself. And and then it, you know, like I'm 33 mm-hmm. now, going on 34. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, dude, he's almost eight. He'll be eight on Sunday. Yes. I'm not doing yeah. that. <laughs> Which yes. I know other people do. Yes. But I have struggled for years with the fact of, you know, I'm divorced now. Maybe I want another mm-hmm. one but then i'm like but i don't think so because like you said there you get to this place of acceptance mm-hmm. of i have my one mm-hmm. and i love them dearly but then it's still somewhere back there of like but i was supposed to have more yeah and i think that's that word supposed to is so important to examine because mm-hmm. um i think that and i you know share this um, already earlier, but it's like, we have this, all of these supposed tos, um, I'm supposed to get so much joy out of being a stay at home mom. You know, I'm supposed to, um, want to have my whole world exist around the life of my child. You know, I'm supposed to have this, you know, really bonded, fulfilling marriage. You know, I'm supposed to all of these supposed tos. And I think that's one thing that I've just really been confronted with is that, but that's not actually true. Those things are not actually true. And so I needed to examine, like, what are the supposed to's for, for me? Mm-hmm. Not for what might be true for others. Right. Um, and that definitely looks different. My you know, supposed to's definitely look different than what I thought. Yeah. And, you know, that actually took, like, a little work to dismantle that and to grieve what I thought it was supposed to look like and fully accept and um, embrace what is. Yeah. Wow. Which then we talk about working part time. Yes. Like you have this degree. Yeah. You've got, yeah. like you've got the works. Supposed, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Supposed I'm supposed to be working to be yes. full time at a school and all these things. 
But right. then also now it's I'm working part time. Yes, um, and uh, it is nice. You know, I am grateful um, for that. Hard to just make it all work. Um, you know, work together. I'm grateful for the oppor- the opportunity and the and the ability and really working part time. You know, stemmed out of this idea that I was going to be a stay at home mom, and we had worked to make that a possibility and then it became a possibility and then it it was horrible uh, I, for me um confronted with you know all of this change at, at once um you know from having a newborn and, and feeling isolated and being also an older um parent you know i was 33 when i had uh, my son and so my friends had you know done the newborn stage um and so i just kind of found myself i was really hung up on the like i'm supposed to be enjoying this i'm supposed to be feeling like this is the best thing in the world and uh, it really wasn't. And I felt so ashamed of that. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it really took me like two years, you know, to be able to say out loud to my husband, okay, so actually being a stay at home mom does not fill my cup. It does not bring me the joy that I thought I was supposed to have. Yeah. And, um, you know, to be, and I'd already started work. I started working part-time like six months when he was six months old because I you know it was um critical that I find something else and ultimately it has made me such a better parent to my son um being able to be fulfilled I am very uh, fulfilled in the work that I get to do outside of the home and that has made me be a way more present um you know mom yeah Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that for sure. But I think there are assumptions that people make. You know, at the end of the day, we, that's part of the journey is us figuring that out. It is. Yeah. Figuring out that balance. For sure. For sure. And I don't have that, you know, answer tied in a bow at all. Um, But I think that I am just consistently trying to be you know, the best teammate I can be and the the best mom that I can be and, and being okay with how, whatever that looks like. How it, how it shakes out. Yeah. That it's not going to be perfect all the time. That and just, I will say that's doing the work on yourself. That is doing the <laughs> that work. That is doing the work because the perfectionist in me for a long time, Yes, I felt so guilty all the time and I give a hundred percent in whatever I do. Yes. And so when I felt like I was failing as a mom, Mm -hmm. it was awful. Mm -hmm. And when I felt like I was failing at work. Yeah. That's awful too. It was awful. Yeah. Yes. So when I felt like I was failing in my marriage, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is like, we just get to figure that out and then coming to terms with, listen, I know my intention is pure. If it didn't turn out perfect, mm-hmm. it's not for my lack of mm-hmm. care. Right. It's like it's not my lack mm-hmm. of anything. It just yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> well, I, I I say, and I know others can relate to this as well. It's like, you know, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And I think that was just um their 
message, you know, that I got uh, as a young person is to um, maybe my needs didn't matter, but the needs of others did. And so I needed to be, um, you know, to go along and to be agreeable. And and my personality is a little bit of that uh, anyways. Um, But I think what I've learned is that there did, there came a time when that was to the detriment of my own, you know, physical health, mental health, um, you know, emotional health. And so we, I needed to deconstruct that, Yeah, you know, a little bit. I just find that so pervasive amongst women is that we, and that's, you know, part of the work I get to do as well. Um, but I, I just, I feel like I hear that from women all the time or I see it, um, put so many others before ourselves Mm -hmm. we're taught that yeah it's our job that's our role it is yeah and i really have been in you know in the counseling i mean my own counseling therapy space for the better part of the past 10 years and really kind of more intensely in the past you know four and and just yeah really starting to dig deep into that and realize you know that my um my emotions and uh, thoughts about things are just as important as, as the others in my in my household. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And I will say that what sparked these realizations of like, yes. oh my gosh, I'm a people pleaser, and yes. maybe this is like it's very obvious was having Bane. Yes. Like having a child really it brings it out of you. It does. Yeah. Because not only am I literally holding my pee all day <laughs> long because I don't want oh, to awake. disturb yes. this little sleeping person who's sleeping on me. Yes. But also, um, that one, that's not healthy. And two, no. like, no. that's an extreme case, but I would have yeah. never yeah. noticed it until, yeah. like, oh, I literally didn't pee or eat today. Yeah. Because I was taking care of the needs of others. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. I know. We got to put ourselves on the list. Right? You know? All right. So we've deconstructed Mm -hmm. the, it must be nice parts of your life. There's always, like we've said, there's more to someone Mm -hmm. than you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so what are Mm -hmm. three things that just by looking at you... Um, I think that, you know, I mean, we're all very quick to judge, you know, uh, judge a book by its cover. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I would say, okay, three things that people may not know about me. Um, I think one, and this is like, so probably not the direction you're wanting this to go, but, um, But it's so minor, but I think people are often surprised um, how much I love to swear. (laughs) Okay, so swearing, though, like, okay, growing up, um, I could not even say the word cheese. Same. Yes, okay. Literally same. Too close to Jesus. Way too close to Jesus. Couldn't say crap. Oh, gosh, no. Dang it. Was out. Shut up. Oh, all backwards. Yeah, cheese. And so... Um, uh, to be perfectly, I, to be perfectly honest. So then, um, about 10 years ago when my mom died, I just started swearing and particularly with the F word. And I felt like it was my, uh, you know, I don't know 
one, okay, let's just talk about that for it. It's such a great work. Right? Like, there is just so... It's so versatile. <laughs> yes! And, like, and there's, I don't know, there's something about using the F word that, to me, it can, like, pack a punch, and it, it can be full of anger. Um, you know, like, it can come... Yeah. I use it mostly when I'm angry about something. Okay. Um, and uh, so I, I feel like in some way, it, you know, I was... My mother, like, held me to the standard of, like, not swearing and don't say these things. And, you know, it's such a bad thing to do. And it's like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now, mother. You know, um, and I had such a loving relationship with her. I don't know what it is. There's something deeper about that. But, I yes, yeah, so I love to swear. So that's one. I will say, though, too, I know you struggle to show anger. Yes. And I feel like that's your it's way around. Way. Yeah, that's yeah. your way to be angry. Yes. Yeah. Like, F this. Yeah, totally. It's just, I agree with you 100%. Um, <laughs> yes. So that's one thing. I think, um, you know, know, those that, like, really know me know that, you know, we mentioned the infertility part, you know, and we had some hard losses with that. So I think, you know, wrestling with that grief, wrestling with the grief of losing my mom, um, who was just, like, my closest, you know, grief. I think I've learned a lot about grief and just how – it doesn't have to be like a significant loss for you to experience grief that you can grieve. I think a lot of people in COVID are, are times that have are experiencing grief. Like we've lost our sense of normalcy. Mm -hmm. We've lost our sense of control. We've lost our sense, you know, of what certain things look like. Um, so it doesn't always have to be the loss of a person. For me, it was the loss of a, of a person and a family system and, that kind of triggered deep work, um, you know, quite honestly. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, I listened to your recent uh, podcast episode and um, one of the things that just clicked for me in listening was I think for the, you know, the past 10 years, I've been trying to figure out who I am without my mother. Yeah. And so much of my identity was and still is tied up in, in her. Yeah. And that's been a long process. It's been a lot of work uh, to figure that out. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, be move forward and and be healthy. How I'm just thinking even of the comment about swearing. Yeah. 10 years ago, you wouldn't have done that. Probably not. Not in the Definitely not in the way that I do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's yeah. kind of like your identity. It's part of your identity outside of yeah. your mom. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that you can think of that are? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think growing up um, and into my young adulthood, uh, I heard so often um, about how much I uh, looked like my mom, was built like my mom, laughed like my mom, you know, was like her in so many ways. Um, and so it's left me with that question of like, well, who am I, you know, without her? She's still so much, she's still so much a part of me. Yeah. Um, but yet, you know, I have forgotten 
pieces of her too. Um, and so that's a really great question, Andy. <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure, you know, that I can, um, you know, fully articulate uh, that. It's, I have not cried about her in so long. So it's so interesting to me that it's, you know, kind of caught me off guard here. But um, I think when you lose someone and then you start to forget. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. it's hard. Um, and it's the little things that catch you off guard once you realize yes. that you forgot that. Yes. For sure. I, I agree 100%. I think it, it's hard for me to, like, pull up her voice. Um, you know, that's been gone for a while. But, you know, yeah. you used to be able to to pull those, <clears throat> those things up. Or, um, you know, even specific... The thing that's that's hard um, that I think about a lot is that she doesn't know this Nancy. Yeah. You know, I think um, mothering without a mother has been hard. Someone was talked to me once just about the that mother daughter relationship and, and how, you know, critical it is and how that loss is so significant. And then going on to try to mother without a mother. Um, I have so many uh, people, women in my life that are motherly, you know, that are, um, they can, they can fit into that, that role. And I'm so fortunate uh, to have them, but it's still clearly (laughs) is a huge, um, void and um and so it's i the other thing that i have learned um about grief i can't tell you how many times i've walked in to you know a counselor's office and been like well i don't know why we're still talking about grief because i'm done with it right you know i've moved on <laughs> i am okay i am functioning just fine i have moved i have really just put a bow on it and I have learned, and this is a very clear example, where that is just not true of grief. That you, we can, you know, be caught completely off guard, <clears throat> as in the present moment, um, and also never lose us. I'll, I'll never forget, um, my husband told me, uh, he lost his father unexpectedly when he was a teenager, and he told me right after my mom died, like, you right now, this grief feels like a giant hole. Every day, there's just going to be like a small piece of that hole that's filled. And eventually, that hole shrinks and it gets smaller. And it, and that is true. You know, that, that is so true. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that the hole ever becomes completely closed. No. And I don't think that it ever will. No. Um, I think so, it'll be a crater. Okay. Like it might not be yes. a black hole, yes. but it's yes. just Still a there. definite defined yeah. hole. Yeah, and losing her um, has defined my life um, in, in so many ways. And, and I um, do not want her loss to be in vain and have tried to um it's taught me a lot about how to be there for others who have experienced loss um and i try to 
use my pain uh, for good in whatever way that I that I can. And um, I think you do such a good job of that too. I can tell you guys there have been so. <laughs> I too do not have a mother. Different circumstances, yes. right? Yes. And specifically when Bane went to LCC. Mm -hmm. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Let's yes. just cry today. Um, a lot of my life choices have been, specifically with Bane, have been made around the fact of I never want him to feel the way I felt as a child. And having even just those two-hour conversations that we would have mm -hmm. of, is this normal? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, is it normal that my kid just looks at other children and is just like, I you don't mean, want to play with yeah, you? Yeah, I don't really want to play with you. Yeah. I really enjoy you. I love, that's my best friend. And then he doesn't want to talk to them. And I'm like, thank God for Nancy. Or when yes. I talk about things with my marriage, I can't talk about my marriage with my mom because it literally was a direct mirror of her marriage. And she would give me horrible life advice that I'm like, I know that doesn't work. I lived it. Are you psycho? What's wrong with you? Did you forget? And so I feel like you weren't my mom. Right. <laughs> but, yes, but we had that. We had the ability to bounce those things that you would normally maybe go to your mom for. Yeah, we could relate to the mothering without a mother mm -hmm. and the hole that that left yes. in both of our lives yeah. as we were trying to navigate this new thing this right new motherhood thing and yeah. feeling guilty of like yeah. am I making my child grow yeah. up without a mother by going back to work yeah. yeah am I like am I a horrible individual right now right like yes as our kid boys would cry as we would drop them off yes yeah <laughs> or just look yeah. at us and, yeah like Tommy would cry being would look. yeah yeah they would yeah. just be like we're doing this again with other kids cool <laughs> <laughs> Right, this right, again. right, this again. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yes. So yeah, that's, uh, I think that could be part of that force, you know, that brought us uh, together. together. And I love though that you, you do, I feel like you champion so much for others that might not have um, like a mom or a mom in the way that they wish that they had a mom. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, there's a loneliness that comes from not having a mother um, and trying to, trying to mother, or just not having a mother in general. Yeah. And um, I know that loneliness. Um, clearly, I'm st I, I still feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that's a unique pain Mm -hmm. That until you have been through it, until you've experienced it, you do not know. Yeah. Um, you don't. And I, would, I think the same is true, you know, for um, losing, um, you know, watching a loved one suffer and die in front of your eyes. You know, that's a unique um, experience. And I feel like, let me take that and turn it into a gift to someone else. And wouldn't that be the ultimate 
you know, legacy, legacy yeah. for, um, for my mom. Yeah. And, um, I do feel that, um, I, you know, to say that's a gift, I know that sounds really strange, but no, it is, uh, to be able to get to that point, um, and to say, okay, uh, you know, I believe in, um, you know, in a higher power, I believe in God and I believe that, um, really just like platitudes. I, I stray from them. Mm-hmm. I, I try very hard not to give them out to people. Um, and however, you know, I, I do think that, um, he is working for our good, even in the middle of pain. Yeah. And I just, what gives me hope and keeps me living and going is to try to find the purpose in the pain. And so if I can, um, pay that forward to someone else, then it doesn't hurt as much to be honest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel that so deep. (laughs) I literally, I feel that so deeply. Yeah. And I feel like your eyes have been opened as well. So you can see it in other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not only can you see the purpose in your own pain, Mm -hmm. but it's also opened your eyes to be able to see the pain in others, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know that other people, I mean, like I know, but like Mm -hmm. it does, it didn't compute to me that other people can't see Mm -hmm. that because I can see everyone else's pain Mm -hmm. and their feelings all day. Yeah. Yes. And and I think part of that comes from um, like, oh, there's someone else like that, you know, knows, right? We have this uh, different circumstance, shared pain. And so then it doesn't feel like I'm the only one. Yeah. We can both carry it. We can both. Yeah. And I think that's when I hear about someone going through IVF through infertility, or I hear about someone losing their mom or a parent. Or I hear someone going through a miscarriage and having to, you know, go through that um, horrific process. It's like, oh, let me, I want to connect with you because I want you to know that I'm not, that you're not alone, but also it's self-serving. And then like, it is a reminder that I'm not alone either, Yeah. you know? And so we can, um, it does something, yeah, to, to connect. I, I also just think in the land of, of Instagram and um, social media, I I don't, I think we all sometimes put out this image of, and I know people look at me and I, and, and I can assume what they're, what they're thinking. And I want them to know that even though my Instagram might look one way, there's actually a lot that's going on in here on the inside. Yeah. And if you are interested, we can, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to chat about it or to talk with you or anyone, you know, about what is happening outside of their Instagram. Right. Yeah. I think that just is so important in these times. Yes. (laughs) Connecting. And that's, that's, you know, the beauty of social media is that we can connect with anyone anywhere Mm -hmm. visually. Right. But then it's up to us to take it to the next level and connect on a heart level and do the social mm-hmm. part of social media, mm-hmm. not just the pretty part yeah. and be social 
and connect that way. Yeah, and to be able to be vulnerable and say, hey, yes, you're seeing all of these trips that I'm going on, but do you know that in real life, you know, those are a lifeline for my marriage? Yeah. Because we do better when we're traveling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's your third? Um, so my third is that I would, I think people probably don't know about me that I am just really seriously wrestling and wondering where I fit in, um, in the big C church. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in church, um, losing my mom solidified my faith in Jesus, my belief in um in the power of the holy spirit i had in the first like two years after her death you know i had some significant experiences with the lord like personally that just really changed my faith uh, but uh all of those things i know are you know are true and believe them you know with my whole being but yet i see how the church is treating the the world and I am angry and disappointed and I am about to say the word ashamed because I, 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 I don't want to be associated with the word Christian. And that is hard. That is very hard for me. Um, I have struggled to find a church, uh, locally that, um, I connect with, uh, and that I feel is actually um, teaching about this in the way that I feel that Jesus should be taught about. Um, and, and, you know, I've heard it referenced to before as like the wilderness. Yes. And I feel like I'm in the wilderness and I've been in there longer than 40 days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm on like that 40 year path of we're going to wander for a long wander. time. <laughs> yeah, because that is it. That's another thing you and I, yes, have certainly connected on it. And so I, I'm seeing the way that the Lord is being used to tear people down and to treat people harshly and to be so in struggling to find my place. And I keep it close and it's been, um, something that I'm working out, you know, between he and I, but yeah. it, it is, um, uh, yeah, I don't have it. And I don't have a, an exact beautifully eloquent answer because I think it's still something that I am navigating through. Um, just like where I feel that the way that I feel about people, the marginalized, the oppressed, the, the people that are being silenced. Um, I feel that the way that I feel about those people has been put there by the Holy Spirit. Yes. But yet there's so many that are shouting, you know, louder things that are just so against what's been placed on my heart. Yeah. And I don't, I haven't been able to reconcile that between the people that say they also love Jesus and they also have the Holy Spirit, but yet they are being horrible to the oppressed and to the marginalized and to those that don't have a voice, which is so anti-Bible to me. So 
you know, I, I just, um, I'm looking, you know, for my people Same. and I found them yeah. and you and individuals, but not a collective church. You know, it's really interesting because I, you know, I've yeah. struggled yeah. so hard with this. This has been, and I'll say another side of this that I really came to realize probably about a year ago, because I was heavily church hunting yes. and wanted a I know place. I, I know. Yes. And yeah. I came to the realization mm -hmm. of, but why? Mm -hmm. And I know that that's what I grew up with. I grew up yeah. learning that like you go to church to be around like-minded people mm -hmm. and to worship and mm -hmm. to do, to learn more and all these mm -hmm. things. And I'm like, I think I'm kind of going to start thinking about this as like, I went to church when I was younger, just like I went to school when I was younger. I needed the group. Mm -hmm. I needed the mm -hmm. influence of the group somewhat. Mm -hmm. um, but just like you do in school, mm -hmm. you gain facts, you gain information. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you got to go out and you've got to apply that in the mm -hmm. real world. Mm -hmm. And so I now in the real world, I have resources. I can still continue to learn. Mm -hmm. I can still continue to connect with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't know that I need the organized mm -hmm. side of it, mm -hmm. full of all the rules that I don't necessarily agree with, mm -hmm. just like school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like all of these constructs and structures that I don't know that I actually mm -hmm. need that. Mm -hmm. And so since I let go, it was another should. I should be going to church yeah I haven't I haven't shed that one yeah yet. yes I should be going mm -hmm. to a building yeah since I let go of that mm -hmm. and embrace the fact that I do have like you mm -hmm. I have another friend who she still goes to a church mm -hmm. but she's she can sit there and not have her Libra injustice on fire okay. and wanting to like run up and like grab the mic yes. and jump on the soapbox. Yes. I don't have that inside no, of me. I don't either. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I know mm -hmm. I can't go there and yeah. sit through it and just be like, but I know in my mind, I don't agree with that and that's okay. Yeah. I have these people in my life and they are part of my they are my, like, mm -hmm. church is everywhere, mm -hmm. but they are part of my network of people mm -hmm. that, you know, when we need to do a group project, we know who needs to come together to do this group project. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I, and I, um, I, that's what I've been doing, you know, yeah. and I hear you. I am at the point now, though, where I miss the community yes. that takes place in church and miss that for my child. Mm -hmm. And I believe that somewhere I, I will, I'm not the only one. You're not, you know? And so it's like, where are we? Mm -hmm. Where, where are those of us that have tried and tried and tried to, um, you know, fit in to, uh, the churches that are um, recruiting us mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, but have felt a very strong sense of this isn't holy actually. Yes. this isn't you know there was something in my 
spirit that always just had me one foot in one foot out you know the last place that i attended and tried really hard to get in, involved with and um was you know there for a, a while and but there was just always something nagging my spirit you know and then as the world started to fall apart the veil was lifted a little bit of of the true feelings thoughts and beliefs of that particular um, space. Yes. And so I was also just heard a conversation with someone and became truly convicted of, well, I can't actually go there with my family and, um, have a message that I don't necessarily align with be, you know, spoken over my child. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we're still on the search. On the hunt. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I have found, it just says I happen to be in my city. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's the beauty of the internet and what online church has done for us, I think, this year. Yes. Um, so I've been able to connect, but, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to go hang out hang with them. Hang out with them. Right. They don't even know I exist. <laughs> right. You know? And, and I, you know, we have heard often about, you know, loving you know, people that have different views than us, loving people. Yes. I, for sure. Yes. But when that, I think that's harder than people make it out to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, loving others. I mean, this is like the true test of your, your ultimate faith, right? It's like, oh gosh, it's really hard to sit there and, you know, love unconditionally when there's just the, the, Christianity in general and, you know, the Lord's name is being used in so many, there's been so many people that have been hurt under the guise yeah. of this is the Lord's work mm -hmm. and um, just know it's, no, it's not, you know? And so I, I just don't want to um, be associated in that way. With that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just not what I... I'm about it's not what I believe it's and that's not what I want to bring into my home either you know we're just about love if, if I can do anything it is to just be an imposter of love yeah no matter what yeah because it's not it's yeah I'm not here to be the ultimate judge it's not my job no and I don't think you know well when I think about what off on that. you know if you think about heaven and what we were taught growing mm -hmm. up of yeah there's judgment day, right? I so deeply feel like I was put here to love people. Mm -hmm. If you're here to help. Yeah. Same. That's my role. Yes. And so anything that I'm judged on then, yeah. my intention was pure. Yes. And I don't know. Like, sure, maybe I'm down that when the people at Easton tell me that they just need five dollars for the bus like yeah i think that dummy that gives you the five dollars but at the end of the day like my test is will i give mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. what are you gonna do with it mm -hmm. i don't I even question that i don't either if i have it here you go yeah yeah it's not for me no yeah that's not my right test i don't care what you do with it right like that sounds mean that's not like i don't care what you do with it yeah. but like it's not going to prevent you from no, giving. No, it's not going to prevent yeah. me from no, giving. You have such a, you're such a generous giver. I don't know. I love that you guys, especially like you love 
like volunteering is huge. Having a servant's heart is huge. Mm -hmm. And you're teaching your son such an amazing thing. And I'm like, between him watching you give Mm -hmm. and serve or going and sitting in a building Uh, each day, which one's teach or each Sunday, which one's teaching him more and which one is Mm -hmm. changing lives more. And I think that's where I've struggled with the big Mm -hmm. C church is I think that a lot of churches do do a lot of good things. Yes. There are also some that do a lot of bad. 100%. You're right about that. I want to ask you something. So do you feel as though your time in therapy, Mm -hmm. your personal development Mm -hmm. journey, Mm -hmm. all of that, what do you think that 20-year-old Nancy would think about Mm -hmm. you now? Mm. Oh, gosh. Um... I think 20-year-old Nancy would be proud. Yeah, I think 20-year-old, 20-year-old Nancy would be proud of 40-year-old Nancy. Um, I think 20-year-old Nancy probably knew her mom was going to die. We were on the journey in some ways then. I think she would be so proud of surviving because at that time, you know, that Nancy just relied so heavily on her mother and probably would have thought there's no way. I I do remember actually saying to my mom moments or hours before she passed. And I just said, I don't know how I can do this without you. Yeah. And to fast forward to today, I do have immense um, pride in um, surviving and the work that I've done to be, to not let the grief consume. consume, yeah, and take hold and prevent me from being who God's made me to be and, who, you know, and the mother he's called me to be. And so I think, I think that's what 20-year-old Nancy would say. I love that. That's such a great question. Right? <laughs> I love that. I mean, even at, you know, 30-year-old Nancy, mm-hmm. I feel like would be so proud. Yeah. Yes, I think so. I I think that's one way that I can honor God is by being, understanding my worthiness and being able to love who he's made me to be. That's one of the things that I've just really learned you know, in therapy is it, and being able to have that confidence and um, self-worth and, and being able to love who I am and all my flaws. Right? Just, yeah. Yeah. And then it's, uh, you know, I'll always probably be in therapy because I love it. Number yeah. one. Um, I, I love um, growing and changing and, and always just trying to be a better part of the human race yeah yeah I love that yeah. and I love that it's not you're not trying to change you for everyone else I feel like we spend a lot of time right at the beginning maybe especially yes. of therapy of like or just personal development journey yeah. it's I need to change who I am because I am so screwed up or like 
I got some flaws and I need to mm-hmm. fix me. Mm-hmm. When really, I feel like it eventually evolves into, mm-hmm. no, this is me. I'm just finding mm-hmm. more of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding, like you said, flaws. Yeah. But. Well, there's definitely, there's definitely flaws. Yeah. It's yeah, like. Don't hear me. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I have <laughs> my flaws. Yes. But not just like I'm giving up and those are just my flaws and I can't do anything yeah. about it. But it's I'm embracing them inside of and myself. Yeah. Inside of. yeah, I think it's that self compassion, you know, that um, that I I work hard to have. Right. <laughs> because our mind, right? The the we say the most awful things to ourselves, and um, everyone I think does that. And yes. That's, no one is alone in that. Um, but I have just tried to shift that, that narrative a little bit and, um, yeah, to offer myself more self-compassion so that I can, you know, be more compassionate towards others. Last but not least, but like, what is your ideal hope Mm -hmm. for your future of Mm -hmm. when someone says, I think my hope is that people would see the real life, just not always the, the, you know, picture of perfect life. But I I think my hope would be that I continue to live authentically and to be myself, even if that means the F word. Especially (laughs) Especially if that means the F word. You know, um, but that, but to just know that I am my most authentic self, that is my hope. My hope is that, yeah, everyone can see you the way that I see you. Oh, wow, Andy. That's... You're such an inspiration. And I think that a lot of times we don't give ourselves, we don't know, not even that we don't give ourselves that, but we actually don't know how much we inspire others. And so thank you for that. That's very, so unbelievably kind of you. And um, thank you for creating a space for me to be my authentic self in this. A huge thank you to Nancy for coming on, sharing a little bit about her heart, a little bit about her life and digging a little deeper with us and showing us that there's always a little more to know. Um, Next week, it'll be just me again. But I'm excited to dig into a little bit more about my life, a little bit more about relationships, and I can't wait to have some deeper conversations. As always, if you have topics you'd like to talk about, questions you'd like answered, I am an open book and happy to share, and I can't wait. So... I will see you everyone next week and I love you. I'm never wrong.